Hey, this is Delitra. Hey, everybody, this is Angela. And you're listening to Nutrient Sisters, a podcast dedicated to helping you learn how to nourish yourself. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Nutrient Sisters. My name is Delitra. As always, I'm here with my co-host, Angela. We have a very important topic to discuss with you today. Today's episode will discuss the concept of health literacy. And I'll be honest and say that this term was new to me. So I learned about health literacy during a class in graduate school, which is very recent for me, like uh, 2019, maybe I learned about this. Um, So it may be new to you as well. As we all know, managing our health is a multifactorial process, and health literacy is an important aspect of maintaining an appropriate health status. It can help protect us from health problems and um, things that affect our health and the environment in general. So health literacy is also important for everyone because at some point in our lives, we all need to be able to find, understand, and use health information in services. So I want to share this interesting fact that I found on the CDC. So according to the CDC, nine out of 10 adults struggle to understand and use health um, information when it's unfamiliar, complex, or jargon-filled. So that almost affects like 100% of adults. It's a very relevant problem that affects many adults. So without spilling all the tea on this topic, I'm going to let Angela elaborate on health literacy and some examples that we find in society today. So Angela, can you tell our listeners more about health literacy? Sure. So there's a few definitions for health literacy, um, but I'll kind of read what's listed on the National Library of Medicine. So they state that it's the degree to which individuals have the capacity to obtain, process, and understand basic health information and services needed to make appropriate health decisions. So you have to figure um, that this requires like a great deal of reading, listening, and decision-making skills, and the ability to apply these skills in health-specific situations. So... The important thing to note here is that just because you have a high literacy skill does not mean that you have a high health literacy skill. Um, And I'll jump into that a bit later, but um, these are some health literacy skills that you'll need to have. Um, And again, these are taken from the National Library of Medicine. So uh, you have to be visually literate. So this is the ability to understand graphs and other visual information like Uh, Think like reading appointment cards, reading directions on prescription bottles, interpreting test results, 
um, you have to have some, you have to um, have some information um, literacy. So the ability to obtain and apply relevant information. So this could be like analyzing risk versus benefits, evaluating information for credibility and quality. Um, and then you have uh, computer literacy. So this is the ability to operate a computer. So think like finding health services, signing up for web portals to receive health information from like your doctor, um, locating health information in general. Numerical literacy. So this is the ability to calculate or reason numerically. So imagine like calculating dosages. Um, and then the last one is oral language. Oh, actually, this isn't really a last one. This is a skill that you need. That's also like pertinent to this. So okay. oral language skills. Um, so we need to articulate our health concerns and symptoms. Um, you need to be able to ask important questions and follow-up questions. And then you also need to be able to understand the medical advice and the directions that are given to you from whoever it is in the healthcare field. So a basic example of this would be um, like you, so you've gone online, you found a doctor's office that you're going to go to, you've called them up to set an appointment. On appointment day, you hand them your insurance card and your photo ID, you wait to be called. Um, then you are asked questions by the nurse and your basic information is taken, like blood pressure. The doctors come in and they say, hey, you know, you've got hypertension. You need to eat a low sodium diet. Here's the brochure. And I'm going to put you on some medicine. Um, think about, if you think about it step by step like that, think about all the terms that were used, all of the like directions and the information that you received and you had to look into, um, and think about what that might mean for somebody who has low health literacy. Um, I would imagine like almost all those steps would be pretty difficult. Yeah. Um, when you break it down like that, it really seems like a lot. It's yeah. like that you take for granted um, when when you go to a health appointment and how that may be difficult for other people. Right, exactly. And I think, um, you know, those are just some example. That, that's just an example that I kind of like made up. But um, these are some common examples and, and uh, the forms that they, they come in kind of can change for different people. But um, I think for me personally that I have a bit of privilege um, in, as it relates to our healthcare system, um, just because I am, you know, well-educated. Like I sp said before, I do have a little bit of, like, well, I'll say maybe a lot more um, high literacy skill, but even though I have that, that doesn't necessarily mean that I, I'm, I have, like, a high health literacy skill, but I would say that I have fairly enough to get by. <laughs> um, <laughs> I can't imagine what it would be like for those who have not been afforded that same privilege. Um, yeah. And I think in some ways the argument is like healthcare is a right, um, not a privilege. And if everyone deserves equal access, then what would that look like regarding health literacy? Um, so, I mean, it's a, kind of a lot to dive into, but I, I know that you have some consequences for what that might look like for people who are affected by poor health yeah. literacy. So can you share a little bit about what you found? I can't, but I, I, I thought about something when you said like the privilege that you have, um, you know, in the healthcare system, same thing for me, but I thought about people uh, that have lower incomes 
and the healthcare facilities or maybe the health services um, that they access and how that may be different. Like right. I'm thinking about like the free clinic or WIC or something else. My experience with WIC is that you're extremely, extremely limited on time when you mm. talk to the client. So there really is not a lot of time for questions right? or to explain things um, or for them to, you know, get, get their questions answered um, from you as a provider because you have somebody else that you're seeing right after that. So that, I think that brings in another difficult aspect um, when it comes from individuals who have lower incomes and they're trying to access yeah. uh, healthcare services. But yeah, I, I'm going to talk about the consequences of poor health literacy. And there's many of them. <laughs> I don't think we have enough time to go over all of them. So I'm going to pick out um, some of the key ones. Um, the source that I used for this was the National Library of Medicine. Um, so it was re reported that people with low health literacy uh, levels have a lower likelihood of getting flu shots, understanding medical labels and instructions, and a greater likelihood of taking medicines incorrectly compared with adults who have a higher literacy rate, um, which is extremely dangerous. If you're not taking your medicines correctly, you could die. Right. You could consume a toxic level. That's how people kill themselves. Exactly. By, by taking elevated um, levels of medication. Potentially, you could become addicted to the medicine as, as well. So there's a big risk um, there. Uh, individuals with low levels of health literacy are more likely to be hospitalized and have poor disease outcomes. So maybe myself, I'm considered, considering myself with a higher level of health literacy, maybe I'll come in with, um, I don't know, appendicitis or something. Right. <laughs> and I may have a better outcome because I'm able to explain what's going on I, I kind of know what should be happening in, in general and everything can work out okay and I can get whatever procedure done and go home and heal well. Someone with a lower level of health literacy, they may, um, they may not be as lucky as me. They may have to be at the hospital longer. They may get an infection. Right. There, there's so many different things that can happen. Um, Apparently, it's a huge financial burden. The annual cost of low health literacy to the U.S. economy um, ranged from $106 billion to $238 billion. Ooh. Lots and lots of money. I see. <laughs> yeah. Like, we need more, more debt in America. But it's, it's a huge deal. Um when it relates to cancer, low um, literacy adversely impacts cancer incidence, mortality, and quality of life. 
So again, like maybe they didn't, um, they didn't go for their screenings for cancer and they caught it too late. So yeah. potentially if they would have went earlier, something could have been done. Right. Or if they don't understand uh, what the doctor is saying for their treatment and their regimen at home, they could have a poor quality of life. They're not they're not thriving as much as they would if they understood what they needed to do to manage uh, their cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and noted that treatment options may not be fully understood. Therefore, some patients may not receive treatments that best meet their needs. So maybe chemo works better for this patient. Radiation works better for this patient. Some other type of therapy, but... If that's not expressed or understood, then they don't get the treatment um, that they need. Right. Um, Another thing that I thought was interesting was informed consent documents. They may be too complex for many patients. And consequently, patients make suboptimal decisions about accepting or rejecting interventions. Okay. So... And, and I'll be honest, like you get all that paperwork when you go to the doctor and I can't say that I read the privacy policy well. No. And, and you don't have enough time either. Like even if I show up 15 minutes um, before my appointment, oh. I don't have enough time to read through all that and do the intake forms and give them my ID and, and all that jazz. And... I can, I can actually understand, I'm sure, that stuff. Um, but I don't have the time or sometimes the desire, which is not good, uh, to read it. And it's even worse if I did not read an informed consent document. So mm-hmm. if you're not aware of that, that's a document, like, specifically letting you know uh, a treatment has the risk of this. Um, it sometimes it does discuss the benefits, but you know, you may get cancer, you may become infertile, you may Ooh. die. You know, th- those are important things to know. Um, so if it's not understood or read at all, then you could be signing on to something that's dangerous. Right. Um, okay. So you don't you don't know whether to accept it or or reject it. Um, Another thing um, that was interesting when it was related to diabetics. So among primary care patients with type 2 diabetes, inadequate health literacy is independently associated with worse glycemic control and higher rates of retinopathy. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. So you could be feeling worse or things could be... Um, you could have worse outcomes with your diabetes if you don't, if you're not health literate, if you don't understand what you should be doing or what you may be doing that is, is hurting you. And it was also noted that inadequate health literacy may contribute to the disproportionate burden of diabetes related problems among disadvantaged populations. Mm-hmm. Um, Makes sense. Yeah. So this doesn't even take, so it, that, that to me directly relates to how 
This can uniquely affect minority populations. And Angela, I'm wondering if you can discuss further the importance of this and how minority populations are affected. Yeah, you know, I never, I, um, you know, there's always this joke about like, you know, when you update your iPhone and it tells you like, you know, read through this, this, uh, I don't even know what they call it, the the terms of terms service or whatever. Yeah. Okay. And I just scroll about them and I accept. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And that's exactly how I treat like a lot of my health stuff, like, which is really mm-hmm. bad. But it's yeah. true. I mean, there yeah. have been times like I remember when I first signed up for birth control or not signed up, but when I first went and got birth control for my doctor, um, mm-hmm. it comes with like this huge handout of like, you know, this is what it is and this is what to expect. Do you right. think I read that? No. <laughs> <laughs> and so then like a year later when I'm starting to get all these migraines and I'm like what the heck and I read it finally mm. and I'm like oh <laughs> it's a side effect yeah. Um, yeah yeah I mean it's just you're right it's it's like I it's sad to say that I don't do that especially because I am in like a more you know um health literacy like higher literacy level but mm-hmm. i just don't i just don't i don't have time to read that pamphlet like what can we just <laughs> about this? yeah and it's like you thought you you understood what they said but you really didn't and i found that out one time um i can't remember what medication it was but we went over the instructions and I halfway remember what she said, but I read what was on the um, the sticker on the medicine. And I ended up taking too much based off of what was written. And mm-hmm. I was really sick. And But I also had gotten um, some nausea medication prescribed the same, the same day as well. So I was like, oh, I guess this is just a side effect. Right. So let me take my nausea medication. But when I came back for the follow-up, I was telling her how much I took. And she was like, why did you do that? I was like, well, that's what it said. And she said, oh, I guess I can see how you, you read it that way. Right, right. <laughs> so it wasn't all the way my fault. Man, like, it's written that way. Wow. I was like, this is what it said. So <laughs> I followed that. Right. Um, yeah. And sometimes those things can be really scary, too. Like, mm-hmm. I remember one time... Um, when I was younger, I read like um, what was it? Tampon, like the inf- instructions, and mm-hmm. that stuff was scary. So I can't imagine for someone who doesn't understand um a lot of things, with, you know, health literacy wise, it would be scary for them. Yeah, I didn't even know that tampons had instructions. <laughs> <laughs> they do. <laughs> now you know. This is news right now. <laughs> That's just how much I'm, I'm paying attention. <laughs> yeah. But um, no, I mean, I think I think this is important. Health literacy is important for a lot of reasons. I think you touched on a lot of really good points. Um, and I think the overall consensus is that we're getting at is that the the same care, um, minority populations aren't receiving the same care. That therefore, they're not as healthy as their peers um, who may have like a higher lit- health literacy rate. Right. So the facts are that. In the minority population, we're receiving less flu shots, okay? We're taking medicines incorrectly. We have higher ER visits, um, which they can't pay for. So then this raises how much people have to pay in order to pay for that, right? Um, they're less likely to use preventative care. They're less likely to have insurance. They have higher mortality rates. 
lower levels of cancer screenings. Um, and that also means that they're then diagnosed at a later stage. Um, and then their treatments are not understood and therefore they're not really implemented. Mm -hmm. so those are some of the key ones. Um, but, and I kind of touched on this a little bit, but even people who read well and are comfortable using numbers, they can still face health literacy issues. So for instance, um, if you're not familiar with like medical terms or how your body works, um, you know, if a doctor says, you know, you, you've got some cardiovascular issues and you don't know what the heck that is, then that's obviously low health, a lower health literacy um, issue. If you have to interpret statistics and evaluate risks and benefits that affect your health and your safety, um, if you're diagnosed with a serious illness and you're scared or confused, Mm -hmm. um, if you have like a health condition that requires complicated self-care and then the biggest one I think is that um, if you're voting on an issue affecting your community's health and you're sort of relying on unfamiliar technical information then obviously mm -hmm. that's where you would face like a greater health literacy issue which I would say that's like probably my biggest thing um, mm -hmm. personally but and I think um this is true for like it, this day and age, but computer literacy, um, especially right now in 2020, when we're right at the peak of having, well, we have a COVID vaccine. I guess when I wrote this, we didn't have the vaccine <laughs> then, but um, we're 2021 but, now. <laughs> I know, right? Now we got it. Um, but there's a lot of information on the web for a reason, um, you know, why to get it, the reasons why people are saying that you shouldn't get it. Um, and you sort of have to make an informed decision for yourself. And that can be really hard for people who um, just don't know how to decipher like what is real versus what is not real. Um, and we live in a world where fake news does unfortunately exist. Maybe not in the way that you know Donald Trump thinks it does, but fake news is a thing and you have to yeah. be able to sort of navigate that online, um, which I personally think is probably the hardest thing even for somebody who is more like tech savvy, like our generation or even the generation below us. Yes. And I actually was just having a conversation with someone about this, about like fake news, pseudoscience, Facebook science. Like there's so much competing for people's um, money, first of all, right. for our wallets. And for their for you to get on their side of their belief system yeah. so you know someone can believe uh, someone's idea about something just because they're very strong and passionate about it doesn't mean that it's right right and then they try to get you on their side because they're passionate about it and right. i'm sorry <laughs> passion is not enough for me to make um this is a decision on something, especially, you know, about my health. And, you know, these decisions are very personal. Yeah. And what's going to what's going to work for you? Um, so it's really it's really an individualized thing. But I thought it was really interesting that you mentioned like the emotional part when you're saying when they're diagnosed with a serious illness and they're scared and confused. Mm -hmm. I didn't think about that, like how you know, your emotions can take over and oh, yes. yeah. you just, you're not hearing anything. <laughs> you know no. I mean? <laughs> you're definitely not. Because that's not a funny thing, but just like, 
it, that's so it's such a biz, probably a bizarre type of uh, alternative like reality that you're in. Like it's like I'm not here. I'm dealing with the doom and gloom of whatever this health professional told me right. that I have or or what's going on. Yeah. I feel like for that one, especially like, even if you feel like you have like, quote unquote, been doing everything right, mm -hmm. you still have this like, you know, health issue. And you're just like, how, like, how, <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. how did I get this? Um, mm -hmm. But yeah. I think, yeah, it's hard with, with computer literacy because I mean, I, I was talking about this with someone, but I feel like our generation we were taught pretty heavily of like how to um kind of navigate the web and figure out what is real or not we find like we know how to search for like scientific um art you know uh, articles and things and and mm -hmm. we know you know what's fake and what's not but even then it's like when we have groups of people that are even trying to tell you that that's fake news then it's like oh, right it's like a whole other level it's like yeah how do we you know and, I, and i'm maybe i'm specifically thinking of like dr fauci right now like we he is a, a brilliant medical professional and then we have all these people that are like he's trash he doesn't know what he's talking about and so it, it makes it hard for people who who are like wait a minute how do i like what is real <laughs> you know I feel like I'm yeah. in the inception. It's like, what is, is this the alternate reality? What's going on? <laughs> right. And then it, it appears that people are conflicted because it's like, okay, COVID's not real, but I'm going to get a COVID vaccine. Yeah. Why are you doing that? That too. Yeah. That's, that's kind of hard. Kinda. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm not going to listen to what he's, he says, but I'm going to follow. Gonna <laughs> like what? It, I, you know, people are very conflicted and you, there's there's a lot of paths on the webs where you can go down and and someone will cater to exactly what you want to hear and what you want to feel. And I'm personally not interested in that. I'm interested in the truth, you know. Right. Um, and sometimes the truth scientifically is, is not what I want to hear, but it's something that I respect and understand. Um, and then but, I, I will say though that um, it is not it, it's I don't know the word I'm looking for because I just thought of this but minority populations in it's okay that they have some sort of um, you know thinking that you know the government might be trying to hurt them in some sort of way because there's proof they've done that before i'm thinking of right. like the, the uh, experiments in uh what is that with the syphilis um Husky. yes mm -hmm. they're not wrong because that that did happen and i think it's it's obviously that happened a really long time ago that's not to say that i don't know there could be something going on i'm not trying to make it a conspiracy theory but it's the idea that, like, they're not wrong to think that there could be something happening because it has happened mm -hmm. before. Yeah. But I think it's being able to acknowledge that that happened and being able to, like, step up and be like, hey, we know that there might be some fears because of what ha might have happened back, you know, whenever. But here are the facts now. Here's what we're doing now. And this is how right. we're different. And this is why you should trust us, like, moving forward. Because you can't just, like, take certain events and then um 
just hold prejudice against this whole idea for ever and ever. Like that's, you're hurting yourself in the end, you know? Yeah. And then where does it lead you to? Like, you're going to have to create your own, um, community or some sort to like when and when I refer to that they're like okay why well, don't I don't want to see the doctor because this happened I don't want to eat that food because the government's in this I don't want to to go to that building because the government owns that right. well, where are you going where are you going right. <laughs> are you just in your house are you, you, the <laughs> yeah are you hunting down deer and and growing your your stuff in the back, if you are, that's great. Um, and possibly that that works for you. But don't try to discourage others that, you know, may want to try or are interested in something new or something that may not hurt them. I, I think people that have those thoughts, like you said, they're um, extremely valid. Um, but it has to be a part of a, I think, in my opinion, a total critical um, thinking decision. Yeah. So that can be a part of it, but I don't think that should be just the whole, a, a part of the whole thing in process. Right. Just negative. Um, another thing I did want to comment on, I think you talked about, oh, how people aren't familiar with medical terms or how their bodies work, which is so common. Um, I don't think a lot of people have taken anatomy or really understand the body in, in general. Wow. And, and these some of these medical professionals, they use all this, this terminology from the textbook that doesn't relate to people in real life. Right, yeah. Yeah, for sure. I would say that's the biggest part. Well, that's one of the biggest things that I study as far as like integrative health, which is combining like alternative medicine and biomedicine. So the idea is that you're trying to build a better patient practitioner relationship because that's what we're missing right now. Like we, I have, I have so many clients who come into me and they're like, yeah, I saw my doctor for about five minutes. Like she told me what what uh, the nurse she kind of reiterated what the nurse said. She said, "Hey, how are you?" Gave me directions, and then she was on her way. Um, that's what I hear a lot of the time, and mm -hmm. and I think you touched on it earlier. But it's just like when you don't have time to explain. If you go to a specialist, you might have more time to explain. Like, hey, this is what your thyroid numbers are, you know. But if you go right. Uh, into the doctor's office and they're like hey you have Graves disease here's what to do it's like whoa, whoa wait a minute what it's like what is Graves disease like what? right you know so yeah I think that timing also kind of plays into it too yeah and and I talked about lower income but that can happen to normal or higher I don't, I don't know about the rich so I haven't been there so let me not speak <laughs> <laughs> but the normal income like I don't and I don't know this is something I'm speculating the doctor spends less time with the patient so they can spend more time with more people so they can get more money. I don't know what's going on, but when that first happened to me, that, that really concerned me like the, and I respect nurses. I just didn't know what was going on. The nurse came in and usually I'm used to a nurse, like doing vitals, asking about my last period, you know, to see if I'm pregnant or whatever. Right. Um, 
but she started asking me like all these in-depth questions and I'm like what is going on here and I found out that I spent most of the appointment with her asking these questions getting my information prepared for the doctor to come in for the last five minutes mm-hmm. to tap me on my knee and say my my prescription is at CVS. Right. <laughs> you know, I'm like, wait, what is going on? And I found out it's more common than, than I thought. So after that, I experienced that a, a few times, and that, that really doesn't leave any time for questions or right. explanations. That's, that's true. I feel I just, I just went to the doctor last week, and that's kind of how I went. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I won't belabor that anymore. I'm going to talk about some strategies that are available to improve health literacy. And the source that I used was the National Action Plan to Improve Health Literacy. So I took some tips from that document that I thought uh, were relevant to our listeners, especially the section about how to improve communication with your doctors and other health professionals. So the first tip was to write down or record uh, information from your doctors and their staff. And obviously, if you're going to, um, like, audio record, you should ask permission for that. Right. Um, but also, please read the handouts that are given um, during your visit. Sometimes, it, um, you know, the doctor gives you, like, a, an overview and a lot of times the handouts are more in-depth, so mm-hmm. you can find information there. Um, ask your doctor, nurse, pharmacist, or other people in the office, clinic, pharmacy, or hospital to use familiar language. Say, I, I don't know what that means. I don't, I don't understand that. Right. Um, don't be afraid to do that. Another tip that kind of relates to that is to ask questions if something is not clear. Know who to call if you have questions when you get home. So you can ask questions there, and you can have questions after that. Usually there's a contact at the office that you can call. Like there's um, like 24-hour nurse or, I don't know, the office manager or something like that. <laughs> Somebody you should be able to call. Some people, they can get to their doctor. Um, I haven't been that privileged yet, but some people are able to get directly to their doctor. I have been able to get to, to my dentist. I'll say that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so don't be afraid to ask questions if something's not clear. Well, I don't understand that. What do you mean by this? Well, what is this? What is that going to do? Um, let your Another tip is to let your doctor and others who care for you, and, and this, this kind of really suiting in, um, know if you can't understand what they're telling you about your health. So the information is confusing or complicated. Ask for materials written in plain language because there is a, a standard for um, the literacy level of health education. On the top of my head, I can't think of it now, but it's like a grade level. It's elementary school level Mm, it's supposed to be written um in plain language so everybody can understand um if you can volunteer to go with a friend or a loved one to their next medical appointment if this is culturally appropriate help them take notes and 
ask questions. Yeah. So I, I knew at one, one point when I was younger, my mom would go to all of my appointments and she's a nurse. So she understands all that stuff. So she just told the doctor, you know, cause I couldn't, I could not communicate it properly. Now right. I can, but she can say, well, this is what's going on with her. Or maybe she can like, or whoever this person is for you can probe the conversation and say like, Oh, well, didn't you have um, like stomach aches the other day? Or wasn't your fingers yellow or something? (laughs) You know, know, like help to um, contribute to the conversation. One thing that they did know is that family members should not be expected to act as medical interpreters. Okay. So, and I see that's, that's common, but I hear that that's not the appropriate standard. And that's why they have language line or a community health worker, or someone to interpret um, not only the, the language, um, but the doctor should be able to, or whatever health professional, should be able to help um, break it down for you. Mm-hmm. One last tip um, that they had was to take advantage of existing communication tools and resources for patients including standardized questions to ask your doctor. So maybe you may get flustered or I don't know, something happens when, when you go to the doctor and you, your mind is blank. You can bring questions like that you already wrote at home or there's some online. I know a lot of um, clinics now have a patient portal yeah. and some portals you can communicate with a, uh, a health professional there. So um, take advantage of all, all those things. Angel, did you have anything to add to that? Anything you think I missed? Um, I, I would say you're not tied to a specific healthcare professional. So at the end of the day, if you don't feel like this person is working with you correctly or you're not understanding and you've asked them numerous times, like find a different healthcare professional. Um, yeah. You're not like, I split dentists like three times already and it's been like two years. <laughs> so if I don't vibe with them, if I'm not like getting the care that I think that I need, then, and I know there's privilege in me saying that, but I'm going to go find someone else. <laughs> like, yeah. They don't need to, they're going to take my money regardless. Someone's taking my money. So I need to make, you know, that informed decision for myself. But I would say, yeah, like you don't, just because you go to a dentist and you've seen them for 10 years and now all of a sudden you don't, you don't like them, like switch. You're not like right. forced to, to go to that, that person. So yeah. Um, I'll- and even if, if you are, you know, lower income and you, you go to like those static places you do have the right to complain and um, ask to to be seen by somebody else. Right. So th- there is an option there as well because we're all, you know, contributing to taxes. And it, just as a human being, you have a right to be treated uh, properly. Yeah. I will say, um, since I work at a doctor's office... Um, I will say that if you do make complaints, though, just make sure that you are, um, you're still respectful. Um, yeah. That's the one thing that 
I see a lot is that people will come in and they'll just lose their cool and they'll just start, you know, cussing and yelling and, and they, the office themselves will just, will, will kick you out of the practice and yeah. they won't let you back in. And so the, the idea is that you want to make sure that you let the company know that what they're doing is wrong, but do it in a way that's like obviously still respectful and not yeah. disruptive to the environment. Um, or else they're just going to cut their losses and then you're not even going to be able to complain and help potentially help someone else who might be in a similar situation. So, Right. I'm not telling you guys to pop them off or right. <laughs> anybody else. Right. Just, you know, respectfully, you know, gather yourself, tell them exactly plainly what the complaint is and what is not right and what can be done to fix it. Right. That's yeah. the best thing. Yeah, that happened to me last week. Somebody was, not to me personally, but I was standing up there um, next to the receptionist just kind of like, trying to get some information and somebody came in and they were just like blowing a few, like they, he was just so mm. mad and it was just like, it, one, it was embarrassing for him because it's like, okay, now they're really not <laughs> listening to what you're saying because like they're just screaming at us, but... And then the manager came in and was just like, yeah, you're out, like, goodbye, see, you know, and it was just like, <laughs> see, now you could have helped yourself and someone else, but you can't yeah. yeah, you gotta be, um, it has to be productive. I mean, right. you know, get yourself together, drink some water, and right. or write it down. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe you can write it down, write down your thoughts. Um that are still respectful. <laughs> like, don't right. the word be disrespectful um, either. And some, I know you you would prefer, I mean, like, I would prefer to go to the person that I went to. I mean, that was my intended mm-hmm. destination. So if we can get this together, I'm on board. Right. I don't want to go 20 miles down the street to go to somebody else. So right. we can get, get it together right here. Let's do that. Exactly. Right. I would say, like, my, I have only ever written a Yelp review once, and it was for a doctor's office, actually, because um, they just, you know, they didn't treat me right, but I would say I see a lot of people do that, and um, people take those things seriously, because it really makes them look look bad, so. Yeah, If you can, write it down, you know, get it out there. Oh, yeah, yeah, I I'm definitely <laughs> a, a reviewer. Like I get the, <laughs> the emails from Google saying your your review is getting views. stuff like that. Oh, I I I stay when this this is unacceptable. It's unprofessional. I don't, I don't call nobody ugly. I don't call anybody out by their race. That's when people really are are messing up. You know that ugly black. You know that's mm-hmm. that's not. That's not right. Yeah. That's not right or necessary. I just plainly say, you know, this is the most disrespectful place I've ever been to. And I've given them several chances. Right. And I will not be back. That's that's usually how it is. And when it's on Yelp, it's about food. So I'm detailed. And (laughs) (laughs) what dishes were not good at all. And the slow service. I don't even say, you know, it was Matthew or whoever. You know, I'm not even trying to embarrass them. I'm just saying, you know, it won't be. I won't be back unless the manager reaches out to me or something. Because <laughs> they'll say contact us or or um something, and then I'm like, yeah, it was Matthew on first shift. You know, I, I don't want him fired. 
I want some corrective action right. put into place. Matthew needs to know that he can't do that. You freaking out. <laughs> 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 Everybody yeah. listening, the leecher got that uh let me talk to your manager haircut. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm I'm very respectful. I pay the total bills. I even tip. I'm classy with it. Uh-huh. I'm very, very, I'm not, I'm not, let me speak to your manager. Those people are disrespectful. They're ruthless. Right. She has they, the, the chunky highlights and everything. Oh, oh, no, I would never, I would never do that. But I do, I, you know, and for, for the most part, I do sometimes, you know, it's not worth it. But they need to know, hey, you need to improve your business practices because we, we all want money to pay our bills. We want our, I'm sure you want this business to last. And it will not if you talk to your customers this way or if you talk to your patients. I, yeah, I use that little box in the uh, clinic. Because Clinic's got that little wooden box. You can put a little card. <laughs> if you guys didn't know. <laughs> if you didn't know. They would learn today. If y'all didn't know that there's a little wooden box in there or a clear one. It's a little postcard. You write your experience and you put it in there. And any good facility will follow up on that and call you back and let you know that they read it. And what plan that they're putting into place. That's true, though. That's true. I'm making fun of you, but it's true. (laughs) (laughs) You better show the people that haircut soon, girl. (laughs) I would never get to that that haircut. And I would never, you know, be disrespectful, like belligerent. Like, you just look silly. And, you know, some of these... um, some of the unprofessional businesses and workers, they don't have anything to lose and they're ready to go toe-to-toe and I'm not about to die over an uh, undercooked burger. That's not going to happen. That's true. So, <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, okay. Okay, well, I won't, I won't be back here. But some of them, they're just ready for you to make their day. Like, I, I've left a review on Yelp very, um, I forget what's the difference between objective and subjective. One was just straight to the facts. Uh, All I said with the facts. Okay. And they replied back. I don't remember half of it. It was like, well, if you wanted it this way, you could have just. It's like, what? Whoa. <laughs> what? And this is the business owner writing back to me. And some people, some establishments, they're not worth going back to because they don't even respect comments or constructive criticism you're not going to get it right 100 percent of the time i'm sure i've made somebody mad at work inadvertently i didn't even know mm-hmm. or you know i'm i'm off doing my thing and they may have been waiting for me for whatever i, I don't know so you're never going to 100 percent get it right you have to be adult enough and business-minded and professional to say hey you know i made an error here um i'm sorry what can we do to to fix this Right. Or I got you next time. That's that's all you gotta say. It's not that deep. That's true. It's really not. It's not. You're right. You're right. Yeah, take a deep breath, girl. <laughs> it's not like you already got somebody lined up to go back to. People need to know that there's a comment box right. at these, these hospital and clinics. So yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's very true. 
just saying. Yeah. You know, this was a heavy subject. I'll just decide. This was a heavy subject. Um, for those wondering, I personally think that I'm only moderately. That's it. Moderately. I don't know why I said it like that. Health literate. I do think that that stems just from my specific health background and my education. Had I not studied something in the health field, then I'd say I'd probably be a lot lower. So, as always, we kind of leave you guys something to think about. Um, we encourage you to talk to us always. DM us, send us emails, write on our posts. We love talking to you all. Follow us on all major social media accounts, and remember to hit follow and subscribe in order to receive notifications of our new episodes. In fact, on Instagram, you can click the bell on the right-hand corner to follow us through brand new posts. With that being said, I'll say have a great day, and we will talk to you all soon. See ya!